Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And my opening of good morning, afternoon, evening has even more impact today because my guest is calling in from Switzerland. And it is definitely a different time of the day than it is here in Florida this morning. And I love that about this show, that I'm able to bring you people from all over the world and that people listen to this show from all over the world. It's such a beautiful thing to look at my rankings and where things are. But most of all, it's less about the rankings for me and more about what you're saying about the show and how it helped you shift your perceptions about something that you've been living, feeling, being, doing, and now you're thinking differently about it. I love hearing those stories about how one of my guests changed your lives with a question that they posed or an answer that they gave to a question that I asked. And today is going to be no different, I believe, because I've got my wonderful guest, as I said, calling in from uh, Switzerland, introduced to me by Lisa Peterson, another fantastic guest and friend of mine I've had on several times on the show. Got Sarah Santa Croce in the house. Well, actually, on the phone, not quite in the house, right, Sarah? I wish. I wish I was there with you. <laughs> yes. I tell you, I wish I was with you in Switzerland right now. I love that country. It is so beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's 5 p.m. over here, so we have about six hours between us. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> and you know, it, it's funny how six hours doesn't seem like it's that much of a time difference. But it really can be a major difference for people. And, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about marketing today, but time differences really are more than just about time, aren't they? They also are about how people perceive things. Is mm, that correct? That's an, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Uh, I often say, um, you know, with all the changes that we are able to make with technology and connecting over, uh, you know, uh, continents and things like that, well, the one thing that we'll never, or at least I think we won't be able to change for quite a few more years is the time differences because right now it's okay, you know, we have six hours, but sometimes... It's just, you know, in the middle of the night, if, that, if your show was later in the evening, I don't know if I would have gotten up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. For, for being on the show. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thought about the perceptions as well. Right. And, and not only that, but when you think of you're in Switzerland, so culturally there are a lot of differences about time mm-hmm. in Switzerland yeah. than they are in America. Mm-hmm. America seems to be a 24-7, 365 country in a lot of ways, but then you get over to Europe and that personal time becomes more important that your end of your business day ends at a certain time. Ah, I, I like that. Uh, yeah, I like that you have this really this knowledge about different cultures really because that, that is so true and having lived, I, I'm born and raised in Switzerland, but I, we have lived for four years in California, and my husband is Canadian, so I, you know, I work with people from all over the world, and yes, 
uh, there's definitely different ways we do business, different ways we look at life, different definitions of success. Even I talk a lot of, uh, about the definition of success also when it comes to how we market. And uh, yeah, very different perspectives in terms of how, um, you know, for example, uh, in, two, in a week, uh, we're going to Sicily where we have a place and it's kind of my happy place. And there, I often joke, I turn into Italian, Sarah. And I don't know if, you know, if you've ever been to Italy, but this image that we all have of Italy being just a dolce vita and, you know, what, what matters is food and sunshine and, and, and do nothing. And not that they don't do anything, but it's true. They have a de- complete different perspective on life and what matters in life. And, and so, yeah, it's very interesting that you bring that up. Italy is my happy place as well. It's one of my mm-hmm. dreams is to spend three or four months in Italy living there and traveling around and just absorbing that culture because it is so different. And when I was in Switzerland, I noticed it was different. In France, it's different. In England, it's different. That is, to me, so critical a component, that idea that you said about definitions of success are different. But if you're marketing to people that are international, do you need to change the way you're marketing for each country, or is it one size fits all? I, I don't think one size fits all. Uh, I'm actually often, since uh, you know people see my marketing over here, uh, I have often been criticized of kind of being too American, right? Even though I'm 100% Swiss, but it's kind of like, ah, you're a bit too pushy and it comes over as a bit, you know, too much. So yeah, the marketing uh, over here, maybe things are changing as well, but it's definitely always been very, you know, toned down. Like, let's not overdo things. And and some of the really the hypey stuff that definitely to me comes a lot of times from the U.S. And and so yeah, it, it it really if you take the British audience, they're almost allergic to too much Americanism in the marketing and all of that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a cultural thing. Also, I would say. So outside of the U.S., you want don't want to do things like, but wait, there's more. Only the first <laughs> ten people will get this offer. The offer expires in five minutes, right? You know, you, that's a, such a big thing over here. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, I think people will see right through it and, and just go, hmm, yeah, right. Are you sure this is, uh, you know, is this for real? Is this really expiring? Or, yeah, obviously people are probably smart enough to know that that's just a marketing hype. Okay, but it's been so successful for so long. Why mm-hmm. don't people see through it? What is it about that kind of marketing that, gets people to pull the trigger and go, yes, I want that. I have to have that. What, what is that appealing to and why does that not work so much in other parts of the world? Because it triggers uh, certain fears and it triggers this, this scarcity thinking, right? Oh, my God, maybe, you know, really it, it's the last time it's going to be offered at that price and so I better buy it now because... Uh, tomorrow is going to be 200 bucks more, and and that's you know it it has worked for the longest time, and I think to a certain extent it still works, 
um, you know, if you think about, uh, I think it was even you who brought that up, Laura, in, in you know, the malls, shopping centers, uh, whenever there's a sale, well, we tend to buy more because there is a sale. So, in a way, sales and discounts have always worked. Um, and, and so it triggers certain fears of missing out. And, you know, whenever there's an urgency, uh, it's just, uh, a human reaction to want to instantly buy right now. I'm not sure if you're familiar with a retail store here in the United States called J.C. Penney's. Yes. And, mm-hmm. okay, so I know you lived in California for a while. So J.C. Mm-hmm. Penney was having a struggle. Of they were losing buyers, and and a new CEO came in, and he decided to get rid of all of these coupons, and that you could layer coupons and things like that, and then shift the marketing towards a more millennial crowd versus the 40, 50, 60-year-old people, the women that Mm -hmm. were buying it. And they would go in and they'd buy stuff for their kids and whatever, but that was like the primary market. And they tried to shift it, and they alienated Mm -hmm. all of their market and didn't get this other market because their brand wasn't the brand for that market. Right. And they eventually had to yeah. bring back the coupons and people kind of came back, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a disaster. So yeah, the, the brand clearly um, was established for the bargain hunters. Right. And so it was, I don't know, kind of a strange branding decision to completely go the opposite and, and then even worse wanting to go back. So, so yeah, I can see that being very difficult. But you're right, it's a generational thing as well, I think. So, um, you know, talking about the 50, 60 uh, year olds and then the millennials now, uh, I think it's what, what, whatever is still working with the fear of missing out and the urgency and, and kind of the hypey stuff. It's with the older generation, so the 40, 50, 60 years old. Uh, millennials, they cannot be bothered. They see right through it. Uh, they're really done with ads. Um, whenever uh, the brand doesn't relate to some kind of purpose or story or values, you completely lose them with that kind of hypey marketing. So it, it definitely has to do with different generations. And, and, and maybe uh, you know the older generation, we grew up with it, and so it, it's kind of like it almost doesn't bother us as much anymore because it's always been there, where the millennials, they're like, what is that? Like, don't talk to me like that almost. So I think it really has to do with generations as well. Yet I still see so many emails come through my inbox or across my, my web feeds of people doing this hype marketing, this idea of, fear of missing out, the idea of we need to push this and send 20 emails in two days because you have to touch people like seven times before they'll even pay attention to you. So we have to inundate them. It's still Mm -hmm. happening, but I just delete this stuff now. So can you, because I know this is one of the things you're an expert at, Sarah. You know, you're an expert at getting people to learn a gentler form of marketing to make it more human connected. Can Mm -hmm. you describe what has been working for people and is now not and how 
that can begin to shift because the world's changing. Mm-hmm. They're getting annoyed at that, that constant barrage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it really, and it's not just marketing, Laura, right? It, it's like we're at this turning point in many things, um, um, you know, politics. Uh, we see it all over the world. There's just something that is going to have to break in order for something new to come out. And it's the same thing with marketing. People are like, enough is enough, you know, Uh, don't treat us like, you know, we are not smart enough to see through that kind of hype. So I think that's really what's going on. And and it it has, it's, it's visible in marketing, it's visible in sales, it's visible in politics. So on so many levels, I think people are just uh, ready for uh, something new, a new paradigm. And so, but not everybody is. Not everybody is, no, because it, it, the, the current situation needs to be so bad, and that's what needed to happen for me. Uh, it needed to be so bad, even though things are working to some extent, right? I created a business uh, sometimes completely losing myself uh, in, in this online marketing hype and, you know, wearing this marketing mask. I, I, I won't say that I used, you know, uh, the typical fear, fear of missing out, but oftentimes I, I questioned, you know, the techniques that I used myself because that's what I, that's what was available out there. And it's almost like that's what uh, I thought just needs to be done if you want to have an online business, right? That, it's not the, it was never the gentle marketers that uh, made their programs available or that said, look, this works as well. It was always the loudest uh, marketers, the gurus that kind of said, here's my recipe for success on how to create a seven-figure business, right? Follow right. these steps. And then send out 20 emails um, on launch day. Send out an email every half hour that the cart is closing. And, you know, the type of emails, right? Right. I, I so, guess still. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so it needs – I'm not saying that has ended, but we're in the process of, uh, of you know, getting to that tipping point. Because if – like – a couple of years ago, you and I didn't have this conversation. So the fact that we're having this conversation now is that there's other people just like us thinking, yes, you know, it's enough with that. So let's, let's find out other ways of, of marketing. And, and so you asked for, you know, some, some examples of, of what has worked in the past. So what has worked in the past is those kind of hypey marketing techniques where um, there was some kind of, you know, not always aggressive, but some kind of manipulation. A lot of the gurus, they called it persuasion, right? That's a better word for manipulation. And um, and a lot of times it was only focusing on the customer's pain. That's what we were taught in every kind of marketing program that I ever took. It was like, talk about your customer's pain and talk about how, uh, you know, right now they're really suffering and they have this big, giant problem, and they're basically not good enough. They're not thin enough. They're not successful enough. They're not healthy enough. I don't know, not spiritual enough. So all of these things that made them not good enough, not feel good enough. 
And so it made them feel so bad that they absolutely needed your program right now. So that's the, the kind of manipulation. And, and, and it was always focusing on, on, you know, this fear of missing out because uh, the focus was not so much on the outcome, but more uh, on the struggle that they're in. And so if we reframe that and then say, okay, well, how would a gentler marketing work? Um, obviously, I'm not saying, oh, let's just all be, you know, happy and just talk about butterflies and, <laughs> and rainbows and, and not sell anymore. Uh, what I'm saying is rather than talking so much uh, about the pain, um, we're going to really apply much more empathy uh, about the, the client situation now, and we're still going to address it, but without making them feel so bad about themselves. So instead of disempowering them, really empowering them and, say, and telling them, look, this is what's going on, um, but here's the solution, right? And so we don't push them into feeling so bad that they, uh, you know, have no other uh, choice than buying your product, uh, but saying, you know, that there is a positive outcome and, and that's the focus and, and not so much the negative current state. Okay, so say you're marketing weight loss solutions, health solutions right. to somebody. Right. How would you change that from you're overweight, you're not getting over the couch, your blood work looks terrible to something more positive to help somebody not feel horrible about the fact that their their health is terrible, their weight is terrible? Mm-hmm. Well, again, I would focus more on the outcome, so, um, you know, more on how they would feel if they, uh, you know, had more energy, if they, uh, you know, not, I wouldn't mention, you know, the weight or anything like that, but if they had more energy and uh, so, so kind of this potential future give more uh, focus on that and and probably what I would do uh, and, and I have a friend who, who works with, with wellness. Um, it's not about the instant result, especially in that wellness uh, industry, right? Uh, right? I think if we come from this scarcity point of view, doing marketing uh, from a scarcity point of view, then we always promise instant results, right? And that's another thing in, in marketing, especially in the, in the wellness industry, if you're promising instant results, how can you really stand behind those promises? Like, if you market with integrity, can you really promise that, um, you know, like the worst kind of marketing is like the before-after results, right? Well, right. that's not what you want to promise. So, so maybe uh, rather than promising instant results, talk about the long-term, the sustainability and uh, what that means for their future and, and, and really, yeah, come from this place of abundance and, and not scarcity. Do you watch uh, a U.S. show called Shark Tank? No, but I know of it. Okay. Well, the other day they started their new season and this, these two gentlemen come on the show and they're wearing T-shirts that say Minus Cow and they're talking about some new weight loss product that they've invented that basically lets fat come out of your body, and they're talking about it being that if you take this 
the food you take, the food you eat will have less calories. And, you know, they're, they're doing their pitch and all of this other stuff. And now they've, they're waiting for the, the sharks to talk about it. And Mark Cuban went ballistic. Now this man has invested in a number of health things as well as several other people on the panel. And he went ballistic and, the other panel members were like getting mad at him. And he says, how can you claim that you're taking a hundred calories out and, and this and that? And then they go, well, we're not claiming that. And he said, but all of your marketing that people yeah. are going to see says minus yeah. cal and a hundred calories out and this and that. But now you're claiming that you, that that's not truth, that wow. you're not going to claim that. And it really hit me in preparation for this interview about how, subtle marketing of a company name or uh, a logo or things like that can really impact how people perceive your business and also how they perceive themselves. Yeah, yeah, so true. And, and like, how sneaky of them tend to, you know, say, no, that's not what we're claiming, if their logo or the name of their company clearly says that. I mean, that is, to me, again, such a huge example of, of, marketing without integrity because they can clearly not yeah, stand behind that promise. And, but yet they, it, it's, go ahead. It's so disempowering to people because it basically makes them dependent on that product, right? Right. That's the other thing about uh, hypey marketing. It's like, do you want really to empower your customers and say, here's the solution and you are really the solution? Or do you want them to be dependent on your product for life and basically say, yeah, you, you buy this and you're, you, you're going to be um, an addict of our product for the rest of your life? And, you know, watching that show, obviously there's a lot of editing and different things that are shown that they actually let you see that may not be the full picture. So we really don't know from this short 15-minute segment how much is accurate, how much is not, right? There's a reason mm -hmm. why they were allowed to be on the show and they made it through the process. Mm -hmm. But it, I find it an interesting paradigm, this idea of what are you saying and what are you not saying but showing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, because showing, that's what marketing is, especially in the online world. Um, whatever, you know, you're saying showing in terms of the logo, but also everything we put out there in terms of, you know, communication via email on our sales pages. If you are claiming something that you cannot stand behind on your sales page, you're basically lying. And so that is hype or false marketing. So, um, you know, can you really stand behind the promise that you're making on your sales page? Because if you can't, then somewhere you need to uh, rework your copy so that it really shows that you are, um, you know, you want the best results for your customers. And so you come from this place of empathy and you talk about results that are actually obtainable and not just some kind of promise that nobody or maybe usually what happens, people are talking about the one client out of a hundred that got the certain results, right? 
three-month program, and the one client out of a thousand who took that program uh, turned out to, you know, get a six-figure business. Of course, you're going to have that testimonial, but you're not going to talk about all the others. So, so is that really, um, you know, marketing with integrity? All right. And with that thought, Sarah, we're going to be heading into the national news. So I'd like all my listeners out there to, while we're on the national news break, and if we're on the podcast, pause this for a moment and think about this question. What does your marketing look like? And what is it saying and not saying? And we'll be right back with more from Sarah Santa Croce calling in from Switzerland today. We'll be right back. So let's just kind of recap a little bit about what we were just talking about. Everybody, welcome back. We're here with Sarah Santa Croce calling in from Switzerland. We're talking about the new way of marketing that is beginning to take the world by storm and how you can begin to convert or evaluate whether your current marketing methods are working as effectively and whether they fit who you are as a company and who you are as a person. So, Sarah, I want to talk about this conversation we had during the break that perhaps people heard or maybe they didn't hear. (laughs) This idea, I love this, it's so funny. Thanks, Mr. B, for letting me know. This idea of the scarcity or abundance mindset. And you said that a scarcity mindset can be equivalent to you're chasing after leads versus an abundance mindset, you're looking for more clients. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, it, and and I want to add to the last statement. It's not just more clients, but better clients. So rephrase that into better clients. Okay, um, I love so, that. Yeah. Tons of leads. So that's the scarcity mindset. And, and I know that quite well because, as you know, um, you know, in my day job, I, uh, I'm a LinkedIn consultant. And so on LinkedIn, it's like the, the big thing is generate leads, right? Oh, uh, can you help me generate leads? And quite a while ago, I, uh, you know, publicly said, no, I am not the right person to help you generate leads. I help people build relationships on LinkedIn and not generate leads. And yet, there's tons of colleagues and uh, that create these uh, programs that help you generate leads on LinkedIn. And so the way it works, it's some kind of automation where um, you add hundreds uh, of leads each day, right? And so you end up with this gigantic network on LinkedIn, and they're all leads. <laughs> What's funny is that even the word lead is so dehumanizing. It's like, what is a lead, really, right? We're talking about people. We're talking about humans. People you then want to become, um, you want them to become your clients. So how can you make that transition from having thousands of leads to, um, you know, really working with clients one-on-one? So I, yeah, I I really think that uh, there needs to be a shift in the mindset, and it has, it has also to do with this hustle uh, mindset, right? There's some big people out there um, who have big platforms who, who constantly share that you need to hustle, you know? In order to be successful, you need to hustle, and, and that's where this idea uh, of generating leads, the more I hustle, I mean, the more I generate leads, then, you know, I, I'm more successful. That's the scarcity mindset because you feel like you never have enough, so you need to keep – what I see in front of my eyes is this hamster wheel. I've got to keep doing more, keep getting more leads. 
where if you come from the abundance mindset and you think, I just really need to work with good clients, people who get me, people uh, that I get, that I uh, you know, enjoy working with, um, I don't need hundreds of leads. All I need is maybe, depends on, on your business model, but all I need is maybe 10 clients that I work with uh, one-on-one, right? And so all of a sudden, you actually see human beings in front of you, not just this mass of leads what, that we don't even know what kind of picture to put next to the lead. Um, and so that's the abundance mindset because we focus on quality rather than quantity, and, uh, and, and that really creates a sustainable business. But what you also said, and it's true, if we want to do uh, the, the non-hypey marketing, not the hustling, not the lead, then it takes more time. And that, that is kind of where, you know, things start to, yeah, we start to lose people because they're like, oh, but I don't have time. I, you know, they, they'd rather send out a thousand uh, automated messages rather than taking the time to develop a relationship with uh, one or two or three good people. So, again, it's back to the scarcity mindset. They think they don't have time. What they don't realize is that the relationships that they build with 10 people, that can create their business for another five years because these good 10 people who are ideal clients will then refer more ideal clients to their business. Um, so, so what yeah. are what are some things that my listeners can do right now to begin rethinking their marketing to go from the scarcity to the abundance mindset with their marketing? I think it starts with awareness. Uh, at least for me, it started with awareness. So really starting to pay attention, like you did. You know, you 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 said I see all these emails still with um, you know uh, another. Uh, sign is, is wealth, I call it wealth signaling. So um, email headlines, I see them all the time uh, saying how to get your six-figure business or uh, this email, uh, this webinar generated 1.7536 million in, you know, in no time. So this wealth signaling and fear of missing out and, and urgency and all of this, Start paying attention. Start becoming aware of these techniques and start to sit with them and see how they feel for you. Like, does that feel good when you're on the receiving end? And, and then think about, well, is that something that I want to use in my business? And maybe you, have, you never have. Um, then, you know, great. And maybe you have, and I'm not pointing fin- fingers. I'm instead raising my hand because I have used some of these templates as well, because that's what we have access to, right? But become aware. And then the second thing is give yourself permission to say, that's it, not doing it anymore. Even if it has worked to some extent, I'm willing to invest the time and and do it differently because I can just not no longer stand behind that kind of marketing. That increases the general level of anxiety in our world. And, Laura, isn't there already enough anxiety in the world as it is? Oh, so much so. So what, what's, like, a specific thing 
that they can do. So now they've got awareness, right? My listeners have an awareness that there is another way to market that maybe aligns more for them than what they've been trying to do. Maybe what they've been doing is working but not as well as they want. They get a client to buy something, but then they're not a repeat buyer. They leave, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific step? And I don't know the answer to this. Is there a specific step that they can begin to take or an email or the way they change a profile on social media or messaging that they Mm -hmm. send out? Yeah, well, it would be kind of funny if I came out and said, well, you know, here's how to do authentic marketing, right? <laughs> and there would be these frameworks with six steps, right? Right. So, uh, unfortunately, there's no course on authentic marketing. But I think once you've gone through awareness permission, what comes next is actually figuring out who you are what you want as the business owner. And that can be, uh, you know, the entrepreneur. It can be a, a director of a bigger business. So there it's, it's more kind of like what's the business that you want to create long term. Uh, and then really sitting with your story if you're an entrepreneur and figuring out what kind of values do I want to bring into my marketing? What are the stories that I want to tell in my marketing? So really um, becoming, like, let the marketing become your marketing and not someone else's marketing that um, you, you know, purchase the program for and, and you know, downloaded all these templates. But be, let it become your own uh, and, and, and bring in the values that, that are true for you because then, then I think then we show up authentically if, if we really rumble with our story, like Brene Brown says, and, and then bring more of that into our marketing. So unfortunately, there's, there's no really, um, you know, six steps. But if you think about, for example, your about page or your LinkedIn profile, if you read a LinkedIn profile where people tell you more about themselves and tell you more about what they value, that's when you connect with them. That's when you feel like, oh, this is not just another LinkedIn consultant, for example. So for me, the idea of uh, not wanting to be known for lead generation is really strong. It's part of my values. No, I don't do that. I, uh, you know, I resist to do that. And so that's part of my LinkedIn profile. Um, when you think about your about about page on your website, rather than just listing all your accolades and universities and all of that, bring in your own origin story. Tell me how, where you grew up. Tell me a story from your childhood, because that's where you connect with people. Um, and that's how, um, even if you think about emails, the emails that actually um, do you know, get the best open rates, that, that do get the best click-through rates, are the ones that tell stories and that don't talk at people, but kind of talk with people. So it's like, imagine yourself sitting around a fire with your uh, ideal clients and telling them a story rather than, you know, talking at them with your ad content. Okay. Is that helpful in any way? That's helpful in a lot of ways and, of course, triggers Mm -hmm. 10 billion more questions in my brain. One of the difficulties I would imagine when somebody is beginning to shift their marketing is helping get themselves found 
for this new way. With a lot of the other ways of marketing, the hype marketing and all of that, you just use certain keywords that people are searching for and then you just start popping up. But mm-hmm. I would imagine that it may take a little while to build your new profiles and your new uh, presence for people to find you. Mm. How does does that begin to work? Mm, I I think in terms of the, you know, the keywords, you're still going to, you know, for example, optimize your website for your competencies, for your keywords. Uh, That doesn't change. It's just that the content and the stories that they then find on your website, those are different. So um, if you have, for example, if you look at the uh, Ben and Jerry uh, ice cream, right? Right. If you go to their website, you will find a tab in, in the in the menu bar. I uh, can't remember if it says mission or values, our mission or our values. Um, and so they're just a regular ice cream company, you would think, right? But when you go to their website, there's a, a page that tells you uh, about their values, what they value, so the relationship with their employees, the relationship with the farmers who, you know, who uh, uh, deliver the milk, the relationship um, in terms of social responsibility. So they're still an ice cream uh, vendor, but um, it's the information then on the site itself. So I would imagine their keywords for them, they don't they don't sell via um, via their site, but but the, the the skill is still they are selling ice cream. The skill for me is still I'm you know a LinkedIn consultant, but it's the stories then on the actual site or on the LinkedIn profile on the Facebook content that's what's different. Because your goal is to find the right leads that convert into clients versus just gathering as many as you can get. That's right, yes. You want to work only with your ideal clients so you can drop this marketing mask where you think you have to do marketing like everyone else. Uh, Because in the end, you will want a business that brings you joy, and if you work with the wrong kind of clients, then most likely you won't find much joy and the marketing won't also feel joyful because you constantly feel like you're doing someone else's marketing or you're having to wear this mask, becoming this other person, this guru, right? Um, Fake it until you make it, uh, where if you only focus on your ideal clients, then you bring in your values, you bring in your stories, and all of a sudden it feels like you're just working with your best friends (laughs) in a way. When I had my tech services company, that was something really important. Most of my clients came from referrals from Mm -hmm. clients I've already had because they knew best how I worked and everything like that. So I networked a lot. It was very in-person networking, but the world today feels like, oh, we have to do Internet marketing. We have to do online marketing. And I feel like some of that one-to-one in-person marketing has gone away. What it sounds like is you're merging those two. You're suggesting Mm -hmm. that we can online market in the way that we human market one-to-one with somebody, say, at a Chamber of Commerce event. Would that be a 
a good way of describing it? Yeah, that's so true. In my manifesto, the Gentle Business Manifesto, I, I basically say that we, we created the Internet to be able to connect for more humans. So if, if you look at the Clue Train Manifesto, which was written by the founders of the Internet, they said we created the Internet to connect humans, right? We wanted, they wanted to basically have another platform where humans could connect with humans without the companies always interfering and telling us to buy their stuff. Uh, interestingly enough, 20 years later, um, yes, we can, you know, the, the Internet is great. I wouldn't have a business. Uh, we wouldn't be talking and, and all of that. But somehow we have used the technology to almost like we took it too far and we lost the human connection. And so it's so true what you're saying is that we always want, almost want to go back to, you know, more like networking marketing, um, but all while using technology. I'm not saying let's, you know, not use the Internet anymore, but let's bring that human connection back to, to, to marketing because what happened over the last 20 years is that we created isolation instead of inclusion. Um, so people felt more and more isolated. Uh, we created, you know, these big gurus have these webinars with thousands of, of attendees. There was no human connection. There was the guru who talked to all the attendees, but there was no community. Uh, there was no connection between the people. So that's why I'm, what I'm saying is, like, let's bring the human connection back in. And so, for example, here, why don't we just create... Uh, calls, like we have this great tool called Zoom, right? Create Zoom calls with our community, but we actually get to talk to each other. Why does there have to be one guru who's, you know, just broadcasting information and all the other ones just, you know, kind of absorb the content? Why not create a community and actually be able to talk to each other? So that's also kind of a reframe that would fit into the more gentle marketing approach. I love that. I think that's a, a beautiful idea. There's, understand who your clients are and talk to them. Just mm-hmm. talk to them. I love that. Right. Part of, mm-hmm. That's what my show is all about, is getting people to talk to each other and listen and meet new people. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. I want to make sure you have a chance to share how people can connect with you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I know you have a lot of great um, stuff up on your website and up on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, so they can go to my website, sarasantacroce.com, and uh, I also want to invite them to the Gentle Business Revolution. So if any of this has resonated with you, uh, I have a podcast with the same name, and there's also the manifesto, which you can download. There's no opt-in, just an invitation to read the manifesto and see if it resonates. So thegentlebusinessrevolution.com. Thank you for the opportunity to share, Laura. Yeah, absolutely, because for me, having the show, one of the beauties of it is I get to share people that change my way of thinking. And Lisa's like, you need to talk to Sarah. And I love this idea that we don't have to think the same way, that it's okay to want to be human. It's okay that you haven't been able to latch onto or feel good about the whole online marketing revolution. Yes, people are making millions and millions of dollars doing it, but 
they're, they're having to constantly work at it because they don't get the repeat customers. Right. And yeah. to really have your business grow, it is about those repeat customers. It's about the people that keep coming back to you that refer other clients to you. And I love that you're creating this revolution in business called the Gentle Business Revolution Movement. Mm-hmm. Kudos to you, Sarah, for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's not it's one size brings all. Sorry, say that it's again. Not, it's not one size fits all marketing, which is what a lot of the people with the loudest voices that has worked for them supposedly want us to believe that there's only one way to market. And what you've said is there's not. It's very unique to you as an individual. Yeah, so true. Yeah, because we started with the definition of success, and maybe we can end with that because that's another question that maybe we can invite listeners to think about. What is your definition of success? And how is it that we are always influenced by other people's definition of success? We always compare ourselves to other marketers or other entrepreneurs. Oh, they are successful uh, because, you know, you see them all the time. They have all these products. Well, maybe your definition of success is not the same. And so are they really successful in your eyes? So think about that. Well, that's a really good question, too. Are they really successful? Just because you see them everywhere doesn't mean they're successful. That's true. Yeah, in this online marketing jungle, um, there's a lot of fake it until you make it, so you never know. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, we see this all the time. You see stores, like I talked about J.C. Penney at the beginning in the U.S. We've got Sears going out of business, Forever 21 declaring bankruptcy, Bed Bath & Beyond closing. But we always thought, mm-hmm. oh, they're so successful. They're out there. They're coupons. They're marketing. They're doing all this other stuff. But we don't really know what's behind the scenes of somebody's online presence. So true. Yeah. We only see what they mm-hmm. want us to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like what you're saying, Sarah, is show who you really are. We're not saying show you all your failures, but let people who know who you are as a person and, and attract those people. Yeah, and, and you talk about failures. It's, it, yeah, it's not about, you know, showcasing all your failures, but but maybe it is about a bit more transparency um, and vulnerability because um, the fake it until you make it, we're kind of, you know, done with that. We, we yeah, we want to really see you, the, the, the entrepreneur. We want to see the, the business owner. And, and we all know that entrepreneurship is not easy and there's ups and downs. So, so maybe, um, you know, it is uh, time to share a bit more vulnerability and, and, and that's really what authenticity is. And, and I'm not saying oversharing, but there, because there's definitely been a movement of people who just kind of started to overshare too much stuff, right? And, and, and it's, you can tell when it's vulnerability is being abused for marketing purposes, that's when I'm completely pissed off. I'm like, no, that's not the point, right? So you don't want to do that. But yeah, share, share some of your um, you know, mishappenings and, and failures because that's also what makes us more human. All right, I love that. And everybody, if you want to find out more about my guest, Sarah Santa Croce, calling in from Switzerland today, go to her website, sarasantacroce.com. Thanks for being here with me today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. 
Thank you. And remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone, and hug someone you love. Starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.